Hi, I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Hello, we are live. Voice America Radio, I have an extraordinary guest. I can't wait to talk to him, Dr. Mohit Bhatia, who is the co-founder of Atelier Meat, which uses biotechnology and tissue engineering to pioneer ethical cultured meat. What exactly is that? Let's go to the doctor himself. Tell us, sir, thank you for joining us. What is Atelier Meats? Um, Atelier Meats, the idea behind Atelier Meats is that we take small amounts of cells and small amounts of tissue from your cow, uh, the harmless cow that makes dairy milk for us, and we take this and convert it into steaks and other kinds of meats and we can do this very successfully by simply cultivating the meat um, just the way in our bodies tissue is created on scaffolds we do the same thing when we culture the meats we put we may create scaffolds and put cells on them and the cells grow and they create tissue and that's the tissue which is the equivalent of a steak or or beef that one would eat so that's essentially what it is very straightforward where are you in this process because the clock is ticking there uh is debate over what percentage of greenhouse gas emissions and climate change devastation is caused by animal agriculture but we know it is one of at the very least one of the leading causes we are barreling toward a climate apocalypse COP27, COP26 really didn't address the issue of animal agriculture's impact on the climate, but it is huge. So since we're racing against the clock, how soon might you have your cultured meats available in the grocery stores? Okay. So um, there's a bunch of companies that have been involved in this business and we're not the first ones. The first companies that were involved were more interested in making beef. So uh, beef means uh, ground beef, something that you would make into a, into a burger, you would grill it, you would roast it and heat it. So those companies are, are ahead at this point and are now challenging the FDA as to how they can have this safely brought to the market. Our approach is a little different in that what we're trying to do is not just make beef, we're trying to make the equivalent of prime cuts such as steaks, uh, uh, pork chops, uh, mutton chops and the, and the likes. And to do that, you need some more advanced technology than what people are using today. Our technology really uses scaffolds. The, what we do is we create this a scaffold, the sweat. So the scaffold is similar to what you might see as a two by four framework for, for a house. And what we do is we grow ourselves on those scaffolds. And by doing that, we are able to make these meats that have this nice striations that you would see when you cut a steak. And it has that real pull when you put it in your mouth and you try to eat it and you, and you munch on it, which is very different from, from a beef burger. So to do that, we're using new technologies. We got into the business about a year ago. We, we, have 
some great collaborations with uh, Rutgers universities, two separate departments, bioengineering and tissue engineering, and we've come together. And hopefully by next year, sometime in the first quarter, we will be able to show you what a, a, a stake that is made through cultivation would look like. So let me just get right to the controversial aspect of it so we can put that aside and continue to discuss. This is not a vegan product um, in the sense that there is cells that come from animals. Now, I, I want to quote um, somebody who said something I thought was very profound. Whatever causes the least suffering. In other words, right now we're killing 80 billion animals who are tortured in industrialized animal agriculture. Uh, we, we know the, the photos, the videos. We've seen them over and over again. We don't want to show you them to make you upset. But um, it's, it's pretty much you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that what's happening to animals in industrialized animal agriculture is horrific. And so if everybody were to go vegan tomorrow, we wouldn't need this. But unfortunately, meat consumption is rising globally, is it not? And how many animals do you think you could save from being slaughtered if people adopted this, doctor? Yes. So a uh, very good point. And that's primarily the reason why we're in this business. We are not making vegan products. These are not plant-based products. This is real meat. Um, now, if you if you if you look at the real issue in this country, we 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 kill 39 million heads of cattle every year, and you'll be surprised to know if you think about it, the weight of a cattle when it's full fully grown, a beef cow is fully grown, is 1,200 pounds, and we only eat out of that 200 pounds of beef, which is ground beef for making burgers, and another 200 pounds of steaks and other prime cuts. The rest of the 800 pounds is just thrown into the environment. Maybe some of it goes into the leather industry, but the rest of it is ecological waste. So just imagine that 39 million cows and 800 pounds of that is going as waste. That amounts to almost 35 billion pounds of just ecological waste that's going in. So how, how, how do you go around this? So the way we do this is we, we don't even, so we have two kinds of cows in the US. One are the beef cows, which are slaughtered for consumption. And then there are the cows that are, that are for milk. Um, what we do is we go to the, cow, to the dairy farm and the, and the cows that are producing milk and we take samples from them. We do not touch the cow. The cow doesn't get hurt at all. And I we want can to stop you there and, and really get into this because I've had debates with people. I'm a vegan. I'm a, we run a vegan network. So, um, you know, but personally, the word vegan means nothing to me. I mean, if nobody ever said the word vegan again, that wouldn't bother me. What bothers me is animals being tortured and killed. Yeah. So, um, I want to break it down to the very essence. Atelier Meats, you're the co-founder. You right. are a doctor. In fact, you have quite a lot of credentials, a PhD in biochemistry from New York University. Also my alma mater. I majored I in journalism. That. I saw that. And uh, you completed your postdoctoral training at Rockefeller University, incredibly prestigious, as well as Harvard Medical School in Boston. So you've published numerous papers uh, regarding... Um, this 
issue and other scientific issues. For those who might say, uh, well, we don't want any animal used, please define exactly how the animal is used. You're saying that it's not, because I think some people think it's a biopsy where they go in and they cut a piece of flesh out of the animal. Break it down for us, doctor. Tell us exactly what you do that is connected to an actual living animal so we can really understand that. Because if that's what's standing in the way of saving millions and possibly billions of animals, um, that might be very well worth it. Okay, if you were a pig, for example, stuck in a gestation crate, um, and I'll just show you that, and you were there for your entire life, unable to turn around, going stark raving mad, if you were a pig like this, this is a video, a photograph from a video captured in a factory farm, okay, this is what is happening to these animals, you might say, you know what, let's not get hung up on the idea that is this vegan or not vegan, let's save my life. So tell me exactly what the process is where you interact with a living animal. Okay, so so let's go back a little bit. Um, you're, you're, so when a human mother gives birth to a baby, uh, there's a placenta that comes out also, which, which is discarded as medical waste. And there's also a, a, an umbilical cord that comes with the baby, which is cut, and the umbilical cord is also discarded. But what, what actually is, is that in the umbilical cord, there are stem cells. And as well as in, in, in the placenta itself, there is a scaffold. And it is this scaffold which is used, which is in our bodies, our entire bodies is made of, of the scaffold, which is called the extracellular matrix. So in... And that scaffold and those stem cells are used for, for wound care. So, for example, a person who has um, um, a diabetic ulcer that doesn't heal, we use those scaffolds and those stem cells to heal the, those wounds. So essentially create a tissue. So we've used the exact same idea from medicine and we brought it for creating meat. And what we're doing is we're using stem cells from the umbilical cord. So we do not take a biopsy from, from the cow at all. We don't touch the cow. It's after she gives birth, there's the umbilical cord. We take the cells from the umbilical cord. Plus, we take tissue from the placenta, which is not a part of the calf, which is not a part uh, of, of the cow that has given birth. And we take tissue from that. So nobody's hurt at all. And we take those two items and, and we grow them up and create the scaffold and we create the cells. So the cells are stem cells. And these what stem cells means is that you can take stem cells, you can make fat cells out of it, and you can make muscle cells out of it. And what we do is we, we grow up these cells. Stem cells have the ability to keep growing and growing and growing. So you can make billions and billions of cells. And, and they also have the ability to convert to fat cells and muscle cells. So we create fat cells and muscle cells from that and put it on a scaffold and it helps them align together and create the meat. The scaffold goes away. That's not a part. That won't be a part of the meat that a person is going to eat. It's just a support mechanism for the stem cells that are made converted into fat cells and muscle cells to organize. So at no point are we harming the animal or the calf. We just take the stem cells from the umbilical cord of, of the placenta of the calf. And that's how we make our product. 
And that is a very important point because I think that a lot of people feel that it involves some kind of painful biopsy and you are hearing it right now from the co-founder, from the doctor, that that is not the case. Again, in a perfect world, would we need this? No. How many of you who are vegan have tried to talk to vegan uh, members of your family who were not vegan, neighbors, friends, for years, okay, and tried to tell them, hey, there's another way, you don't need to eat animals, falling on deaf ears. For those people, this is a likely solution, a possible solution that I personally think we have to consider. And if it can be produced at scale, it could literally eliminate the need for um, farming of animals. 80 billion land animals alone that we farm and kill every year on this planet, 80 billion. What would those animals say if you ask them, do you want to be a purist or do you want to create something that's going to save your life? I believe that this would uh, but let's ask another pro provocative question. Does this mean that making this meat would sustain would uh, would sustain the dairy industry? I certainly don't think so, but let's address that. Um, this is a question from uh, one of our viewers. Well, uh, so the way this, so we always drink milk. Cows always have babies. I mean, the beef industry is actually creating for close to 40 million cows and slaughtering them every year. In our case, we are not touching any cow. These all cows are a part of the of, of nature, right? They're there. But we don't need millions of cows. We only need one cow or two cows or three cows to give us enough stem cells to set up cell lines with which we can make product. I mean, we're not going to be running to the dairy farm every day. So it's really although we're getting our raw material from uh, from cows, uh, the way the business operates for making milk is, is completely different from what we are trying to do here. We're not interfering with nature at all, and so, we're not harming any animal. I, I first of all, I, I you know I'd like to get these out of the way so that we can um, really address this because I've actually had pretty serious conversations with people who are vegan saying, you know, hey, and I'm vegan, you know, 26 years, I think, approximately. Um, uh, let's think about how we can reduce animal suffering. And so uh, I think this is a very, very key component. So my final question to you before we talk a little bit more about where it's going in terms of the market is, how many cows do you need? Like I've talked to some scientists who say, well, once you get that essential DNA structure or whatever it is, you don't need to go back over and over again for cows. So can you answer that question for us? And apologies if it's not expressed in a scientific manner. No, you, you, it, it is correct. You don't need to go back to the cows again and again. Uh, once you have it, uh, maybe you need to replenish it after a few years, but you don't need to keep going back to the cows. But always so that, remember, in our case, yeah, go ahead. That's a question that one of our viewers asked. How often do they need to collect the raw material, stem cells? So where are you in that in that uh, process? Have you collected those already? Yes, we have collected them. We've been working at least on a research grade 
uh, great at this point, and I think we've collected from from two uh, placentas so far, and that's enough to keep us going for another six months of research, easy. So it just just to give you an idea, we're not uh, going back to the cows repeatedly. We're not interfering with with the industry or in or with, with the natural way cows you know live. They give birth, they feed their calves, and they and they go on. So we don't touch the cow. you could get this from a sanctuary and it could be given to you or you could collect it in a way that is absolutely 100% completely cruelty-free. There's no cruelty involved. You take the placenta and that's it. And yep. so, that's, that's it. all right, we've got a caller, Nyla Farr in Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for Dr. Bahita. Uh, Dr. Bhatia, um, this is very exciting state-of-the-art technology. What can you say about the uh, potential cost coming out? Because um, um, there would be obviously big competition from big ag, which is um, heavily subsidized by big government. Thank you. Um, so so I, I think at this point, this industry is going to start very small. Um, the, you will be amazed at what the size of, of the meat industry in this country is. I mean, it's at almost 500. In, right now, it's about 350 billion. It's going to go to about 500 billion by, uh, by in about five to seven years. Uh, so we're very small coming in. Uh, but we think we can make very, very large amount of products because we have access to these stem cells. Um, so is government, I, I don't think government is going to interfere, but I, I think I, I can see a, a situation where these big companies that are um, running the beef industry are, are eventually going to come and participate with us uh, in trying to make these products. Look at the electric vehicle industry. Nobody believed that we could have electric vehicles on the road at some point. And Tesla did it, and a few other companies got into it. And now, what do you see? Everybody's making electric cars because they know it's good for the, good for the environment. It, they just wait. They just waited for the for the technology to come in come into the industry. I, I think the meat industry is going to be exactly the same thing. We're the ones who are going to go in there, show the world how to make steaks without harming or touching another animal. And, and then everybody else will follow three. And I can see that 10, 15 years from now, Purdue will be involved and every other big name that is involved in the beef industry is going to be involved in our business. As Claire Smith of the Vegan ETF, V-E-G-N, said, we have to make cruelty-free more profitable than cruelty. And they'll exactly. all jump on board. We got another caller. And thank you, doctor. You know, we have a very vegan audience, so we're you're getting some... Uh, Tough questions, but I know That's you it. can handle them. Sarah in Atlanta, your question or thought for Dr. Batia? Sarah? Uh, my question is, what's the difference? Yes, my question is, what's the difference between your cultured meat versus, like, already impossible and beyond exists? And why, why don't they just make more beyond and impossible What's the difference? Well, I don't understand. Like, yeah, that's what my question is. Good question. Thank you, Sarah from Atlanta. Uh, I mean, that's a fair question. Um, if you look at the meat that's made by Beyond and Impossible, those are plant products. It comes from plants. 
And so there's a certain group of people who will eat that, uh, people who are vegetarians, uh, people who are, who are meat eaters and hate the idea of cruelty towards animals, they would eat that. But there's another group of people who want to eat meat that tastes like meat or who want to, who want to stay meat eaters but don't like the cruelty towards animals. So a product like this is focused at least partly towards those people who want to eat a, a meat products, but it's not actually meat at all, but it tastes like meat. So our goal is to actually make our meat, if you can call it that, to taste like real meat. And, and so the population of people we are targeting are one, who, who just hate what's happening to the environment, what we're doing to the land in this country, the ecology, the, you know, uh, the environment and the atmosphere. And the second is the people who hate the cruelty towards the animals. So it's a different kind of product uh, and it's partly targeting different groups of people. Ours is, if you want to call it, it's coming from animal stem cells and it's like meat, but it depends what you're going to call it. Is it meat or uh, is it not meat? But it's intended to taste like real meat. So we have a we have so many comments coming in online. So uh, here, uh, Kami says, "Contrarian can't be vegan. It's made from an animal." That's right. That's it true. It is not technically okay. vegan, but we are living in a world, okay, where eighty billion animals are being killed every year. We know that globally, unfortunately, meat consumption is rising. It is associated with upward mobility in. Uh, the minds of a lot of people and around the world. And uh, while we fight every day, I fight every day. I wake up every morning. What can I do to turn the world vegan? Um, we all know people who, despite years of talking to them, insist on their pound of flesh. If we can create meat without killing or even touching or harming with completely cruelty-free, simply by taking the placenta of a few cows and then basically fermenting it and we were going to learn more about the fermentation process my my opinion is why wouldn't we i don't care about the word vegan i care about animal suffering and i want to stop animal suffering and uh this doctor dr vatia is here saying that um we can do this now uh gosh there's so many questions uh what about seafood could this happen to seafood as well sir uh Hopefully in the near future. So we have we first have focused on cattle specifically because of its huge in environmental impact and the cruelty towards cows. So that's why we went with beef. The way we've developed this technology, it is then the next step is actually to go towards mutton and lamb, pork. Those are going to be our next three ones. And then go to chicken. And lastly, we go towards fish. Yes, it's applicable to fish, but we haven't tested it yet. All right. Now, uh, Paige wants to know who will you be obtaining these cells from, not what. So um, my question that sort of expounds on that is where, who, what, when, where, why, how? Those are the basics of journalism. Where do you get these cows? And what is that process? Again, my, my sense of it, you could go to a farmed animal sanctuary because um, unfortunately, a lot of cows that are rescued are pregnant. We just did a whole reality show on Unchained TV about two pigs we pulled out from a high kill shelter and the mother was pregnant and had 11, 
12 babies, a dozen babies. So a lot of times when these animals are rescued because the industry is constantly impregnating, artificially, forcibly impregnating these animals, uh, when you rescue a cow or a pig or any other animal, they're pregnant. Uh, the females are pregnant. So it would make sense to me that you could go to a sanctuary and take the placenta from uh, a rescued animal and you would even have to interact with the animal agriculture industry, sir. Um, we, we don't have to. Um, what will happen at some point is that the FDA is going to ask us, where did you find that cow? Uh, and we would have to explain to the FDA where the cow comes from. So, um, but we can take a placenta after the cow or the pig uh, has given birth we and the cow is safe and the and the calf is safe we can just take umbilical cord cells straight from the placenta that is that comes out after the calf is has has the cow has given birth to the calf so theoretically we can go anywhere we could go to a rescue shelter we can come to you to your local farm we can get it from there it, it doesn't really matter the, the cells are the same wherever we get it from. Yeah, so I think you're winning over some converts. Pluses so far, no animal cruelty, less water use, no land needs, no monocrops, no antibiotics, no waste, no feces, no urine. Yes, your answer to that yes. one. Yes, 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 and yes. Yes, and here, someone who was cynical at first says, I sure hope this works. And here's a sort of a practical question. Is it targeted for high-end steakhouses or more for hamburgers? Uh, it is not for hamburgers at all because someone, other companies that are working in the business are going to go towards hamburgers. But what we are trying to do is not go to high-quality uh, high or high-end steakhouses. We're trying to actually make this meat available to everybody. So in today's date, if you go to buy a beef, uh, ground beef at your local shop right or grocery store what is it five five ten bucks a pound uh, and this when you go to buy a steak it is twenty thirty dollars a pound and if you try to buy Kobe steaks it's even more costly the beauty of our technology is that we're completely agnostic to where the cow comes from whether it's a Japanese cow a northern European British or the United States it doesn't matter the stem cells are the same. So what we will actually be able to do is essentially normalize across the planet in terms of the beef that is that the steaks that are made av available. Um, you can get a Kobe steak in the United States. You can get American steaks anywhere in Africa. It doesn't matter if there's a, if there's a drought. We don't care for all that. It's it's going to be agnostic to what part of the world you're in, whether, what kind of weather you have in that country, cold or hot, desert or uh, beautiful Greenland, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be normalized around the world. So it'll be the same meat. I have so many questions, but this is a good one. Um, if more chickens are killed than cows, which is true, the vast majority of animals killed are chickens, then uh, why not cows over chickens? Well, we are going for we are going with cows and not chicken. Um, well, the, the problem with chicken is we can't really work on chicken because chicken doesn't have placentas. So oh. for us to build on this technology, we have to first go to the cow placenta and then make the chicken on the cow uh, placenta. So we can't do it the other way around. We have to start with the animal that actually has the placenta. Chicken are. They're birds. They don't have placentas.
so in order to get to the chicken, we have to first have the cow placenta. We could have gone with pork, we could have gone with uh, sheep or lamb, but we went with cow first simply because it has it is the greatest environmental hazard right now in this country. Wow. And in the world. Okay, we're going to take a very short break on Voice America Radio, but we're live on Facebook and all other platforms, YouTube, as well as our Unchained TV app. Stay right there. This is truly fascinating stuff. Can cultured meat save the planet? Wow. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re entering a portal to a transformative way of living. Welcome back to Voice America Radio, our simulcast with Facebook, YouTube, our website, unshadetv.com. We're all over the place talking about what could save the planet, and that is Atelier Meats, Cultured Meat. And um, while it is not technically vegan, it does not involve any animal cruelty whatsoever. It is the placenta from a cow. When the cow gives birth, the mama cow, there is placenta, and that is providing the DNA information that they need to create meat in a cultured situation without any animal being hurt, without an animal biopsy being taken, and without certainly any animal being killed. And with 80 billion animals being killed every year on this planet, and tortured in industrialized animal agriculture, um, this is um, what could be the breakthrough that could actually stop a climate apocalypse. And uh, Amira St. John said, that's why I said happy, though, if we'll save animals. Yes. Um, Sir, tell us about how this is manufactured and how soon it will be available to the public and what the price point will be. All right. So uh, I was giving you that baking analogy where you've made bigger and bigger 
uh, use bigger and bigger vats to make beef. So our approach is different in that we don't make our product in huge vats. Instead, if you go back to the baking analogy, instead of making a 10 pound uh, cake, we're going to make 10 one pound cake cakes. And what we, what we can do by making smallest units of product, we can customize it for the customer. So if a customer says, I want a, a steak that's soft, we can do that. We can, you can make a, a stiffer steak. We can make a, 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 a steak with 25% fat, 10% fat, no fat at all. So we can customize it simply because we're making so many different little pieces. It's just like if you had 10 ovens in your kitchen and you had to make 10 one pound cakes, you could make a strawberry cake, a vanilla cake, uh, you know, chocolate, tiramisu, whatever you want. You could make, you can customize the, the cakes that you're going to make. That's how we are different from everybody. Simply because we're using our scaffolds, we, we can actually bake, we can actually make a variety of different steaks in a single run. So, so each unit is made singly. So compared, I okay. get it. It's like when you go to a sort of a, an upscale bakery, instead of just getting 40 donuts, you're going to get some muffins here, some donuts here, some donut holes here, some uh, banana cake uh, over there. So let me ask you this question. How soon is it going to hit the market? And where is the price point compared to actual meat from dead animals? Okay. So um, right now, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be early next year that, that we're actually going to be able to have some meat that that looks like like a, a cultivated steak. But after that, we have to go through a whole process that the FDA has to review. They have to demonstrate. Uh, we have to demonstrate to the FDA that our product is safe. We have to be able to scale it to a point um, that we can make enough units of product for sale. Uh, so there's a lot of testing that has to go on. So it could be a couple of years before we're actually able to put it in the market, but there will be a lot of human testing before that, before it comes into the market. The FDA is not going to let us get away and you know just start selling it to people. They, they need us to test it and demonstrate that it is a safe product. So um, I know Singapore has famously served cultured chicken from another company. And I know you guys all collaborate because as uh, one of the heads of one of the vegan burger joints said, uh, the vegan manufacturers, they're not our competition. We have the same mission to alleviate suffering and save the planet. But uh, I think it was Just that came out with, uh, in Singapore, some vegan chicken. And uh, Singapore has apparently approved some of this. Do you think it might be easier to get approvals from other countries around the world uh, first and then uh, as people consume this and it turns out nobody's suffering, even though... Let's talk about what, what's happening to people from eating actual meat here in the United States. Every time I wake up and go on Yahoo News, it's another recall because somebody's gotten sick from some kind of outbreak concerning um, a dead animal product. So it's not like uh, the meat that people are eating is 100% safe. And additionally, it's a leading cause of all sorts of other problems. We'll get to the environmental issues in a second. But- where do you see it happening globally, doctor? Okay. So uh, it is true that companies collaborate with each other. They understand what the other... Co they, they are conferences in which companies come together and discuss their technologies. They 
ask questions. Here's where we have problems. Somebody help us. And yes, it's true. We all work in a partnership. And and it's not just true in the meat industry. It's true across the entire pharmaceutical industry. You know, cancer drugs don't just come out from one company. They've learned from other companies. Uh, they talk to each other. It's true. It's true across the board in the U.S., outside the U.S., Everybody works together, irrespective of what um, discipline it is. And and that's very true in this industry also. And we do talk to other companies, absolutely. But what we are doing is bringing a new technology into this whole system. Everybody's making, you talked about the chicken from Singapore. It's it's a very, it's a chicken nugget. So it's, it's essentially a very pulpy, pulpy chicken. And yeah, it's fantastic that they've been able to make it. And there's companies that have made a lot of strides in making uh, ground beef and they've done a wonderful job over the years but now we're trying to bring a new technology in which is using scaffolds to try to get cells to organize and to make steaks no one has been able to do steaks so far but yeah we at the same time while we're trying to make steaks we are learning from other companies and what happens is it helps us accelerate the process to bring the products in the market and at the same time, the FDA also looks at what we are doing and what all the other companies are doing. The FDA also needs to learn, the USDA needs to learn what is a safe product. And you guys men- just mentioned, you know, disease coming from uh, the traditional meat industry today. When we do cultivated meat, there will be no disease there. There is going to be no mad cow disease coming through. There will be no of bacterial or viral infections or fungal infections will be completely past all of that. It'll be a completely new product with no infections at all. There are so many advantages. Uh, three quarters of all antibiotics or more that are produced are fed to farmed animals because they live, as we've shown, in such horrific conditions that they would die if uh, there's blood on the little snout of that little piggy. And I mean, I don't want to show you really gross photos, but you know, maybe if you need to see some of these photos in order to get the truth of what's going on in these factory farms, that is an image from a factory farm. Okay. Pig factory farm. Um, So that is to me morally unacceptable, but it's also a climate catastrophe, which is not being acknowledged. There's a lot of controversy about COP27, Uh, serving meat, just like COP26 serve meat. In fact, the Washington Post did an article, and that's no vegan publication, but they wrote an article essentially saying, well, they included the climate price tag on all the foods that they served at COP26 since the animal products were such a higher price tag than the vegan, the few vegan options. Why did they even serve them? The Washington Post actually pointed that out because Uh, the United Nations Climate Conference did include a climate price tag on every item they served. And the meat was so much higher. So it's not like they don't know, but they completely ignore the meat aspect when they're talking about climate change and only focus on fossil fuels. Uh, what, What do you make of that as somebody who is deep in this issue of coming up with alternatives? The fact that uh, we know why the media, and this is why we started Unchained TV, mainstream media Look at the advertisers, fast food and pharmaceuticals for the most part. No wonder they don't talk about it. You know, nobody has to knock on your door and say, don't talk about this. The the hosts and the reporters just see who pays the bills, who keeps the lights on, and they do the math themselves. But but what about the governments? What about the fact that neither administration, um, it's a bipartisan problem, a bipartisan problem where 
the impact of animal agriculture on the climate is being completely ignored. I mean, that's very true. The impact of animal agriculture is impacting the environment. And well, recently Biden did put out uh, a huge package to to try to help the environment. And I think our technology comes within within that package uh, to help the climate. Um, but what we are trying to do is we really want to get the price point below what it is today. And as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter to us whether it's it's a Kobe beef or just a regular steak in the U.S. We can make all of those product, products at the same price and bring it below the market price. So you, so you could go to a ShopRite or the local grocery in, in your town and we could actually, our manufacturing costs for 10 different types of beef is going to be exactly the same. Wow. Um, uh, so it brings access to everyone for the same meat. Okay, could you please ask him if the meat and dairy industry is fighting him? Um, are they fighting you? Because here's one of the things that I've always said. Yeah, everybody talks about, well, it's being consolidated. The meat industry is getting consolidated into fewer and fewer. You've got like, you know, literally, uh, the I could count the companies on my hand that is control the meat industry. Uh, whereas having a completely unlivable planet is not going to be good business for anybody. You know, we're reading articles now about UPS workers collapsing on the street because of the heat at a certain point in the near future with the fires, the drought, the rain, the storms, the hurricanes wiping out towns like Fort Myers, Florida. um, People are going to realize it's not good business. if The planet is unlivable. Is there any way for you to approach some of these big in these ginormous companies, we know the names, you know, Tyson, JBS, Smithfield, and say, look, you could have your meat. Here's another way to do it. It's a win-win. Uh, so I, I, I think they already know us and they already are are talking about this. It, it's As I mentioned earlier, this is just like the electric vehicle industry where nobody would listen to Tesla or any of the battery companies in the past. And now, Every big company, you know, Ford, GM, uh, all the European companies, Mercedes, everybody is making an electric vehicle because they know that's the way to go. It helps the, it's better for the environment to have electric cars. It's the exact same thing in our industry. We don't need to kill 40 million cows every year in, in this country. And and those companies know it. And, and they too want to have a business that does not involve involves huge slaughterhouses and the killing of animals and the blood and disposing of, of all that meat that nobody's going to eat, the skin and all of that. They come to realize a nice, beautiful looking clean room factories that is actually making meat for people to eat. They're going to look at it and they're going to come in our direction. And I'm sure that we look at it in the next five to seven years and you're going to see huge partnerships between these big uh, beef producing companies and steak producing companies and companies like ours. Uh, well, I, I don't is think there's there any there's way, way to accelerate that process because we did a, a documentary here at Unchained TV about climate change called Countdown to Year Zero. We did it before the pandemic, so it was at least three years, four years ago. And Dr. Silas Rao, who is a um, I consider him a genius. He's a brilliant uh, scientist who was instrumental in acceleration of internet uh, speeds and who runs climate healers. He believes we have until 2026 to transition to a meatless culture 
uh, to avoid the worst catastrophes of climate change. And it's not just him saying that we are barreling toward a climate catastrophe. I mean, Sir David Attenborough, who was no vegan animal activist, has a great documentary on uh, one of the big streaming channels that basically talks about, it's called Breaking Boundaries. And there's about less than a dozen boundaries that once we break them, there's no going back. And we are on track to break through them within, uh, literally, I mean, we are breaking through some. I mean, the collapse of the the ice caps and uh, things of that nature, you know, ocean dead zones. Once those cross over, um, there's no turning back. And that's why he called Breaking Boundaries. That's the name of his documentary. So considering what's happening, the rapid acceleration of climate change, is there a way to approach these companies uh, preemptively? Because you use the electric car analogy. Well, back in 19, in the early 90s, okay, they had an electric car. It was one of the big American yes. manufacturers. There's a great documentary about this. Who killed the electric car? And uh, the manufacturer of that initial electric car, which people loved, killed it. And there's a documentary. They literally are taking the cars away from people. I know a couple of them, famous environmentalists, who who fought, who fought trying to keep their car. And they just killed it. And then later, that executive who made that decision said it was the worst decision of his life because they didn't want to have to change their processes. Okay? It heralded really the demise of the American car industry and the rise of um, foreign car companies that transitioned like I'm on my third Prius. Okay. The second that first Prius came out, I got rid of my car and I got a Prius. Um, and so they, we could have all been driving electric cars since the nineties, but for an executive who didn't want to change. And then he later said, Ooh, I made a boo-boo, a boo-boo that might destroy the entire planet. So we're in the same situation now. We're in a who killed the electric car situation with the meat industry. Is there any way to get to these people and say, you don't want to be like that executive who delayed electric cars for 30 years? Yeah. So um, I think it's a very different situation now. Uh, if If you went to any of the conferences that are around the subject of cultivated meat, and there's many of them that are ongoing all over the world in the United States, Europe, and Singapore. Um, what you will see is that, yes, there are a bunch of companies with the, who have these technologies, but at the same time, these conferences are visited by many executives from these big companies uh, that are currently producing meat, um, Purdue and the likes. And so I, I think they all realize that this is coming and they all understand the electric vehicle situation, uh, that whole analogy. And I think they're already in there. We're already talking with them. And, you know, it, it would be fantastic if if some of these supersized companies actually started to invest money in smaller technology companies like this, then you would really be able to accelerate the process. And of course, get government involved at the same time. The government is already, both the FDA and the USDA have already come together to, to create um, a new system by which they're going to start evaluating these products. Um, so things are happening. I, I can see next three to five years, you're going to see a cultivated meat product on the market. And uh, it's, it's uh, and 
I would say this is really fast that these things have happened. 110 years, that's that's really fantastic. Wow. Well, this is absolutely, first of all, I, I, I absolutely feel this gives me hope because sometimes I get overwhelmed. I mean, sure, there is a growing, exponentially growing vegan movement uh, where uh, cities, for example, I was just talking to somebody who lives in Paris yesterday. And I said, you know, I was in Paris about 10 years ago and there was no vegan, I couldn't find a vegan restaurant. He goes, no, they're all over the place. So culturally things are changing. Um, obviously here in LA where I live, it's the vegan, and you can't keep up. We can't, Unchained TV can't keep up with the number of vegan restaurants and vegan products that are launching every day. But nonetheless, there is a planet here with three billion humans consuming 80 billion animals every year. And so we might live in this vegan eco chamber, this what they call the vegan bubble, where we see things changing. But get out of the vegan bubble and we've got a big problem on our hands. And you've got people who absolutely say, I will never give up eating meat. I want my meat. So this is the solution for those people. Now, let exactly. me ask you this. Um, a lot of people are asking, is it an identical taste? Because you heard somebody ask before, well, why not just increase Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meat Burgers? Now, I love the Beyond Meat Burgers. The Impossible Burgers, I love as well. But they actually, to me, and I haven't eaten, I can't even, you know, I'm vegan 26 years. And before that, I was a vegetarian. So I find it so meaty that it's almost too meaty for me sometimes. But for meat eaters, when they taste it, a lot of them say, well, it tastes great, but it's still not meat. So what is that difference? Why is it that something can be so close and not satisfy these people who want meat? I don't, I don't really understand it, but obviously there's something there. Well, the products from Impossible and Beyond, well, they aren't meat. And so they don't taste like meat to the meat eater. And what we're trying to do is make a product that a meat eater would eat it and say, this is meat. And so that's why we're not touching burgers and ground meat. We're going for steaks. So if it is a steak, you must be able to put it on the grill and you must be able to make it rare, medium rare, whatever you want, and it doesn't fall apart. And when you put it in your mouth, it has that sort of mouth feel to it that you're munching into it. Or a, once we have the product in our hand, we're going to be, our biggest testers are actually going to be chefs. We're going to go look at the meat and feel it and work with it and see if it is going to be good enough for a meat eater to enjoy. And, and that's what we're trying to get to with our technology. Wow. Well, I think this is absolutely fascinating. We've only got a couple of minutes left. So let me ask you final thoughts. We've got 45 seconds. Final, final thoughts for me. I, yeah. I, I think we got into this. Uh, um, I, I just did the same work on uh, in medicine, trying to help people with diabetic foot ulcers and non-healing wounds. And we've been able to bring this technology into creating meat. It's 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 amazingly exciting, and the amount of the contribution that we'd be able to make to having a cleaner planet, greener grass, more forest land, and not having to hurt animals is is absolutely fantastic. Well, let me say this. We didn't really even dive into the climate aspect. Um, we can actually uh, wrap up the um, 
uh, Voice America Radio. I want to say thank you, Voice America Radio, for allowing us to have these very important conversations. So uh, we're going to actually disconnect on Voice America Radio, but um, I do want to ask you this question. Uh, the best way to approach people who are not concerned about animal suffering, because vast majority of people in our audience are vegans and animal lovers who are concerned about animal suffering. But the general public, um, they're concerned about health and they're concerned about climate change to a large degree. Can you make a pitch to the administration, the government, that this is a solution to climate change? Is there a way for you to get to the president of the United States and, and explain that animal agriculture is a huge contributor to um, greenhouse gases, not just the cow farts that everybody talks about, but the entire process of the destruction of land, like in the wetlands, uh, the wetlands of Brazil, that absorbs carbon, trees absorb carbon. When you destroy all those trees to create cattle grazing land, you are destroying the Earth's ability to absorb carbon and the temperature goes up. Is there a way for you to um, get to the administration and say, guess what? We've got a solution to climate change. Um, absolutely. It, I mean, it's all in the facts. Everybody knows that, you know, 40% of our country's land is used for cattle grazing. Uh, and as the population of this country is, is going up, I mean, not just in the U.S., even outside the country, uh, we are, we are going to start encroaching on the forests. We're going to reduce the amount of trees we have. Um, yes, we will not be able to protect the the ozone layer and we're putting all this meat product into back into the soil. <clears throat> yeah, so the, it's not that difficult to make us make a story for for the government to listen and for them to understand that if you put money and you invest it into technology like ours we can have a huge impact in the environment and have the FDA and the USDA behind us to help us get these products approved and bring them to the market. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.